Most Bible readers know that the first plague is God turning the Nile River into blood. Is there significance to that? Why would he do that? Or is it just a random sign? Yeah. I think we're going to see that today in Exodus chapter 7. Happy you, Monday. You're listening to Between the Lines. I'm, I'm Scott. And I'm Junior. Can, and can you uh, could you say that word again? It starts with a P. I know. I, I, there's like no other word to say because this is what people make fun of me for, plague. <laughs> and then when people say, no, you say it like this. And then I'm like, I, I'm, that's how I'm saying it. <laughs> I only, you know, I've never really noticed it. I just, I know other people have made fun of you for it. And so, oh, my daughter's make fun of me for it. Okay. Yeah. I, I think, I think we use the, the long A plague and you say plague. Yeah. I think is probably the difference, but yeah. I don't think it makes a difference. Yeah. Well, if it grates on your nerves, I'm really yeah. going to wake you up on this Monday morning. Yeah, well, so. <laughs> in reality, I think people enjoy it more than anything. So, all right, uh, I'll get started. I'll read okay. starting verse one. Then the Lord said to Moses, pay close attention to this. I will make you seem like God to Pharaoh and your brother Aaron will be your prophet, which can be confusing. He says, seem like God in the NLT. And I think that that's a good rendition of the Hebrew here. And it's simply because whatever Moses says happens. And when he commands nature to be changed in some respect, that God, Yahweh, is the one that actually does it, but he does it based on the word of Moses. So, well, so Pharaoh's going to be amazed at Moses' ability. Yeah, that and the cultural context of it is, is Pharaoh was a living God among the people. and He so, saw himself that way. Right, yes. yeah. It wasn't, of course, but that's right. how he saw himself. So God's like, you know what? I'm going to speak their language, and Pharaoh's actually going to see you that way instead of himself. And in reality, Pharaoh was not capable of doing any of those things, but, right. but God made Moses capable. Yeah. All right, so verse 2, Tell Aaron everything I command you, and Aaron must command Pharaoh to let the people of Israel leave his country. But I will make Pharaoh's heart stubborn so I can multiply my miraculous signs and wonders in the land of Egypt. Even then, Pharaoh will refuse to listen to you. And, and even up until this time, Pharaoh had been refusing to listen, and his heart had been hardened and stubborn. And God is going to further harden it more just so that people could see yeah. how despite the absolute rejection by human beings, God is, his will is still going to be done. And people will ask, you know, it says that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. What does that mean? And there's a couple of different ways to interpret that, but the way that I, I believe the best way to interpret that would be um, harden was, Pharaoh was already hardening his heart. And so God just sped up the process. He's like, we're not going to drag this out. And so I'm just going to speed up the inevitable here. And I'm just going to harden your heart since you're already doing it. Mm -hmm. And that does, that does, I think that's a good point to just kind of ask yourself, are, are you there? Mm. At some point in your life or some part of your life, are you hardening your heart? toward what God wants to do, maybe in your workplace or in your family or even, even in your own heart towards sin? Have you been hardening your heart and just stubborn yeah. with God? That's really, I mean, that, that ought to cause some real concern and some self-examination. As I have to consider myself as well, I want to make sure I'm not in a stance where it's going to, uh, where, where, because I've not listened to God's intervention, yeah. that my heart winds up going further yeah. away. And often what it looks like is is withholding an apology. You know mm -hmm. you're wrong and you need to apologize. Yeah. Uh, it can look like just desensitizing yourself to sin. You're in sin and you are, you're just stubborn about it and, and you're not going to do what it takes to give that up. Those are all, those are all symptoms of you're hardening your heart. And we've all been there, mm -hmm. but this is where Pharaoh's at. Even then Pharaoh will, well, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, be, even then Pharaoh will refuse to listen to you. So that's with all the miraculous signs. 
So I'll bring down my first on Egypt, my fist on Egypt. (laughs) Then I'll rescue my forces, my people, the Israelites, from the land of Egypt with great acts of judgment. When I raise my powerful hand and bring out the Israelites, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. And the Lord here is all caps, it's Yahweh. So Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord had commanded them. Moses was 80 years old and Aaron was 83 when they made their demands to Pharaoh. Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Pharaoh will demand, show me a miracle. When he does this, say to Aaron, take your staff and throw it down in front of Pharaoh and it will become a serpent. Now, just it does say Moses is 80 years old at this point. I think sometimes people don't realize that in this story. And Aaron is 83. And I like that because Moses is writing this. I I like to think that he's writing this thinking, Pharaoh just thought we were two crazy old men at this point. Yeah. And, And he's probably thinking, you know, man, I was I was back in my younger days yeah, right. <laughs> when he was writing this. Yeah. <laughs> Wish I could go back to when I was only 80. Yeah. Uh, then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Pharaoh will demand, show me a miracle. When he does this, I'll take your staff and throw it down and become a serpent. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did what the Lord had commanded them. Aaron threw down his staff before Pharaoh and his officials and it became a serpent. Then Pharaoh called in his own wise men and sorcerers and these Egyptian magicians did the same thing with their magic. You can go ahead, Junior, and pick up verse yeah. 12. Now, can I just ask you, Dad? Because yeah. I've had a lot of people look at that and just be like, what? Um, you know, did the same. So it sounds like you have these men who are not of God who just did a miracle. Yeah, well, there really is a demonic world out there. And and I think that this was a situation where God allowed for this uh, supernatural occurrence to take place because what he how he follows up with that. with. Yeah. What we'll see in the reading is that Moses's serpent then swallowed up the serpents yeah. that the magicians were able yeah. to make happen. And, and, I do and think, it could have been trickery. It, it could have been trickery maybe. and not an actual supernatural event. Yeah, I do believe it. I mean, it could be. I do, I, like you, I believe it is demonic. And I think I've had people ask like, well, why don't we see that nowadays? And maybe we do, but we have to remember this story was absolutely massive for the history of God's people. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot that's like, a lot is culminating right here. The enemy knows that this is a big deal, that this is God's people that they have in slavery. And so I, I do think there's gonna be more demonic activity at this point. Cause you see that then with Jesus later on, there's a lot of demonic activity with Jesus. Well, that's because a lot of things are culminating. Yeah. And I think that it's a mistake for us to take what was highly unusual throughout the history of the world yeah. that was taking place during very specific points in history where God was, at work in a very massive way and turn that into what we view should be normative for our daily lives. Yeah, yeah. All right, so it's, uh, sorry, verse 13. Verse 12, uh, yeah, verse 13. Verse 13, so Pharaoh's heart, however, remained hard. He still refused to listen just as the Lord. Oh, no, no, you missed, verse 12 is important because that's- we've Oh, they threw down their yeah, staffs, said, which yeah. also became serpents, but then Aaron's staff swallowed up the their staffs. So the snake, um, Aaron's snake won out. Pharaoh's heart, however, remained hard. He still refused to listen just as the Lord had predicted. Then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is stubborn and he still refuses to let the people go. So go to Pharaoh in the morning as he goes down to the river, stand on the bank of the Nile and meet him there. Be sure to take along the staff that turned into a snake. Then announce to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews has sent me to tell you, let my people go so they can worship me in the wilderness. Until now you have refused to listen to him. So this is what the Lord says. I will show you that I am the Lord. Look, I will strike the water of the Nile with this staff in my hand and the river will turn to blood. The fish in it will die and the river will stink. The Egyptians will not be able to drink any water from the Nile. 
Then the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron, take your staff and raise your hand over the waters of Egypt, all its rivers, canals, ponds, and all the reservoirs. Turn all the water to blood. Everywhere in Egypt, the water will turn to blood, even the water stored in wooden bowls and stone pots. So Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord commanded them. As Pharaoh and all of his officials watched, Aaron raised his staff and struck the water of the Nile. Suddenly the whole river turned to blood. The fish in the river died and the water became so foul that the Egyptians couldn't drink it. There was blood everywhere throughout the land of Egypt. But again, the magicians of Egypt used their magic and they too turned water into blood. So Pharaoh's heart remained hard. He refused to listen to Moses and Aaron just as the Lord had predicted. Pharaoh returned to his palace and put the whole thing out of his mind. Then all the Egyptians dug along the riverbank to find drinking water for they couldn't drink the water from the Nile. And seven days passed from the time the Lord struck the Nile. Which, which there were the magicians turning the water into blood. It is, it's actually a little bit humorous because, well, what good was it that you were able to yeah. do this? Because this was a plague against right. the Egyptians. Just turn it back. Yeah, I mean, if, yeah. if they were so powerful, they should have just turned it back. Yeah. And the reason, then you can speak to this more, but you know, the hook to start the podcast yeah. is why did, why did this happen? Mm-hmm. Well, we must also, we must understand that in Egypt, the one of the reasons that he did this was um, the river, the, the Nile River was the source of life. Yeah, the everything. Nile was the world to them. Yeah, it, it had fish, it fed their crops. I mean, without this, they're in the middle, without the Nile, they're in the middle of a desert with absolutely no water and, and there's no way to live. And the flooding of the Nile, in fact, the flooding of the, every year the Nile would flood its banks and that's where the fertile land, otherwise there was no fertile land in and around Egypt other than in that Delta area that would flood and that would bring the silt of the river to the land, which gave them farmland. Now, they had no farmland apart from the Nile. So now when you have this putrid water that is flooding their farmland instead, I mean, this, everything's destroyed. This, yeah, this is this meant everything to yeah. them. And they worshiped the Nile. Yeah. And the other maybe bigger reason that, that God does this, and we're going to see this more with uh, the other plagues as well, um, and that is, what God is doing is he's actually attacking Egypt's gods mm-hmm. and taking them down because one by one, yeah. The, the Nile was also, it was almost worshiped as a God. Mm-hmm. It was, yep. So. All right, well, let's get over to Proverbs. Uh, we are in Proverbs 16. And uh, I'm just going to look at verse six. Again, we encourage you to read the entire Proverbs. Oh, by the way, I hope you all had had good readings this weekend. I hope you stayed up in your Bible readings. I know I did, and it was a blessing uh, the proverbs, uh, um, the the proverbs that we read these last couple of days were fantastic. So anyway, we have verse six of chap of uh, Proverbs sixteen it says, "Unfailing love and faithfulness cover sin. Evil is avoided by fear of the Lord." Now, there's a couple of different contrasts, or it's a contrast here that we have a couple of different thoughts in that one proverb, and which a lot of proverbs is this way. In in some Proverbs, you have this repetition. You have a statement that's being made, and then the statement is re-said only in a little bit different way. And sometimes there's a, a contrast. And we find a contrast here that shows how we, if we have unfailing love and if we are faithful, then we can forgive sin and we can overlook the offenses that are done against us. And I also think that this points to our God because of his unfaithfulness and his love for us that he's willing to forgive us. And that was a theme in the Old Testament. Of course, it was fully realized with Jesus, the Messiah, coming and giving his life so that we could be ultimately forgiven. So there's that part of it. And Junior, you know how this happens. When 
a person's heart is turned against another person. Every little thing that they do, they find fault with. Right. And I, I've seen that see even recently. Yeah. You, you see it in marriages, you see it in relationships, you see it in work relationships, yeah. where when a person, once their heart has been turned against another, they will find every little thing. And it gets this place where the other person's like, man, I can't win for anything because everything that I have said and done is offensive to that person. Yeah. Because there's not that unfailing love and faithfulness. Yeah. And then evil is avoided by fear of the Lord, that if we truly have a fear for God, then we are not going to love evil. We're going to have a holy hatred for evil, holy hatred for sin. We're going to want to do what's right and that will be pleasing to him. Yep. So those All two right. things are great, I think, to take away is, is uh, have this unfailing and faithful love that God has demonstrated to us and have this towards each other, towards your coworkers, towards the person that's been bugging you a lot that you have this whole litany of things against. And turn that into unfailing love and faithfulness. And on the other side of this, live today with a holy hatred for evil by fearing the Lord. That's right. All right. Great way to start out the week. And uh, today's October 16th. We've been doing this the last, I don't know, what, two weeks now? Yeah. Just the name of the special day. Uh, special day. I don't know. It's World Food Day, but I feel like in America, that's every day. So uh, it's also National Bosses Day. Mm. So maybe... Maybe your boss is the yeah. one that just kind of bugs you, grates in your nerves. That boss can never win with you. Why don't you just soften your heart? Stop hardening your heart toward your boss. Soften your heart and just bless your boss today. Yeah. And a way to do that is to give your boss something he or she would really enjoy rather than just something that you would like. Yeah. All right. Well, make it a good day. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless. <laughs>